Welcome to Because That's What Heroes Do, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. But we decided that was not enough. And now we're going to explore the television series that came out over the past few years on MCU characters. Issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you'll enjoy this continued exploration of the MCU universe. Today, we take up the concluding episode of WandaVision, episode nine, entitled The Series Finale. This series on WandaVision, and because that's what heroes do, is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this concluding episode of WandaVision, we begin with Harkness attempting to take Maximoff's chaos magic, but they are interrupted by the Vision, who then tries to kill Maximoff. Maximoff's dead lover Vision intervenes and fights the Vision throughout Westview. Harkness frees the town's residents from Maximoff's control, and they convince her to open the barrier. She stops when Vision and the twins begin to disintegrate, but not before Haywood and Sword enter the barrier. Rambaugh learns that Pietro is an actor named Ralph Boner and frees him from Harkness control before helping the twins stop Sword. The Vision flees after Wanda's Vision restores his memories. Maximoff places magical runes around the barrier that prevent Harkness from using magic and traps her in the Agnes persona. Maximoff says goodbye to Vision and the twins before collapsing the hex and going into hiding. In a mid credit scene, Haywood is arrested while Rambo is informed by a scrawl that a friend of her mother's wants to meet her. In the post credit scene, Maximoff hears the twins cry out for help while studying the dark hold in her astral form. And now I'm going to bring in Megan Doherty, and we're going to discuss the season finale of WandaVision. And here she is, Megan Doherty, as promised. We are going to take up WandaVision Episode 9, entitled The Series Finale. So, appropriately so. Welcome back, Megan. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. So, obviously, lots going on here, action-packed, some pretty thoughtful scenes, some philosophical scenes. Where do you want to start? I want to start with guessing your favorite scene from this episode. I, I, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I think your favorite was when the Vision and the White Vision were having their fight and they had the argument about the ship of Theseus. Am I correct? Spot on. Um, I was watching that, and it was my. Uh, this, is, uh, this is one of my favorite episodes. So I watched it multiple times. And I was just thinking, Tom is eating this up. He loves this, and you probably know all about the ship of Theseus and where it falls in philosophical history, don't you? I do. Yeah, <laughs> I do. And so you're right. I did love it. I love thinking about it. I love going back and researching the ship of Theseus. 
I even enjoyed thinking about the Greek character Theseus, although he's unrelated <laughs> to the ship of Theseus, except having owned the ship or sailed it at one point. The ship of Theseus philosophical question says, asks rather, if the planks on the ship of Theseus rot and you replace them, and you have to replace so many, you end up replacing the entire ship, do you still have the ship? Of and when you think about Wanda's vision in this series and the white vision in this series, I think it's a fair question to ask. And let me start with Wanda's vision, because we have debated whether he is a sentient character or being. We have explored whether he exists only in Wanda's mind, whether he's a projection, perhaps a character that she created, but because of his own evolution, sentient evolution, has gone in directions she doesn't understand or can't control. Perhaps all of the above or none of the above. But he's not the vision that Tony Stark and Jarvis created way back when. Or is he? It was just a great way to look at it and... I firmly believe that you are who you say you are. And if you want to be vision, well, you can be vision. You can both not be vision and be vision at the same time, which is the conclusion the white vision comes to, I think. <laughs> Schrodinger's vision. Schrodinger's vision. <laughs> yes, that was my favorite. It was very delicious. And also, what I really enjoyed was how... Wanda's vision helped the white vision work through those logical steps as they are having this massive fight in the sky. And because he keeps asking the white vision questions that the white vision as a computer finds no logical answer to. And so he has to figure out some other way. It was almost like calculate to the last decimal the value of pi while we're having this fight by the way. So I thought the that structure was really cool. And at the end, the White Vision goes off for other adventures we, of which we don't know. But he is not the evil killing machine that he mm -hmm. was when he first appeared. Oh, that he, he was has, intended to be when he was created. The White Vision, I don't think, was a construct of Wanda's mind. He came from the outside, um, Hayward. Exactly. And that led to different consequences for Wanda's vision as well. So what were your thoughts around <laughs> the ship of Theseus? I like I thought it was Vision the character and maybe Paul Bettany the actor doing what he does best. He was he was being so vision. Having this fight reluctantly, he's never seemed to be like loves the fight guy. Seeing another creature who's very much like him, or what he used to be or would have been or had been in the previous reality, and just not being okay with the fundamental wrongness of this potentially sentient creature being being programmed as a weapon. Not cool. Vision's going to fix that. And then he did it in the most elegant way possible. So I, I thought it was delightful. And I like that it was so possible to circumvent that programming. I thought that was really cool. You, you design or you create something that powerful. I think that they were saying one way or another, you can't control it. Or you can't control it entirely. And I thought that was really well done. And sky fights. Oh, two thumbs up. <laughs> Let's always have sky fights. There were some great sky fights in this episode. It was. The first half or, I don't know, a large chunk of the first part was a great sky fights. And this we're not talking about the visions. Back, we're talking about let's talk about the witches. Wanda and Agatha. 
So here, as I tried to articulate in the last episode, I thought that Agatha was necessary for Wanda to get out of her grief. But here we find that Agatha really does have nefarious motives because she somehow has recognized or known of the innate power within Wanda, even without Wanda knowing it. And she wants to unleash that power and then steal it, given what we've seen of Agatha, probably for no good. I had less sympathy for Agatha in this one because I thought she really reached full flower as an evil character. You still love her? I do. I do. I respect the right of a villain to just be a villain in comic book movies. <laughs> but the, the, the archetype, I think, that she was being being written as or she was playing as, is there are people who have power and don't deserve it. And there are people who think I should have that power instead. And whether that's good or bad or neutral, that is a recognizable and interesting archetype. So I thought that was pretty cool. I like that. It, just the way she played it, she was never dour, no super self-important monologues. She was hilarious the entire time. The fights were epic, and she really just, she wanted what Wanda had and was going to do everything she could to take it. I thought it was fun without taking too much of the emotional heavyweight stuff away from Wanda. I think if Agnes had been, and I'm just thinking about this more now actually as I'm saying it, if she had been as nuanced a character as Wanda, I think, you know, what you said earlier, it would have become the Agatha show. And I think if they had made her more of a sympathetic villain, we wouldn't have cared so much about what was happening to Wanda and Vision. I, the, my second favorite part of this episode was actually the part involving Monica. Because, <laughs> as we mentioned, I think in episode seven, Monica got uh, her superpowers. And so she's primed uh, to go off and join the Marvel Cinematic Universe on her own. And guess who comes calling? The Crawls. And they need some. And when you think back to Captain Marvel and the role the Crawls played, how they ended up being the victims, and how Captain Marvel herself went out of her way to save them, I just thought that was so great. And I can't wait to see what Monica does with the Crawls, wherever they end up, and whether it's back on Earth or or somewhere else, because one of the lines from the original series we did on the movies that has always struck me was when Captain Marvel says, not every universe has the Avengers. And when she left after the blip and Natasha tries to chide her for leaving just when we needed you the most, she said, not every universe has the Avengers. And the Krulls have someone they can call on. And now it's Monica. I hope it's Captain Avenger in the, or Captain Marvel in the future because I loved her. But if it's not Captain Marvel for uh, contractual reasons or others, putting be. up my wishes to the universe right now for a team up movie. Absolutely, <laughs> I would like that, please. <laughs> Absolutely. So anyway, that that I really I just had to talk about Monica a little bit. Oh, I want to, uh, there's some other great moments with her, too. I think because at the end of episode eight, she had been trapped by fake Pietro. And you get to see a little bit more of that in episode nine, where he's hanging out being the worst boyfriend. Far too many of us have had to date. Not letting her out of the house. <laughs> giving, I think, a little bit of a taste of what it was like for the residents of Westview. To be able to kind of maybe see what was going on, but not be able to engage with the world other than in the space where she was contained. And she was able to figure out that fake Pedro was actually this guy, Ralph Bond, freed him somehow from his spell. And anyway, breaking the necklace, that was it. I thought that was really interesting. And I loved her little just moment later on with the twins after a fantastic part when Wanda says, kids, 
you didn't, we didn't prepare you for this, but you were born for it. Handle them. Just handle the military. Great. So good. But then Monica comes in, comes in, stops them from being shot by awful Hayward. And they just acknowledge each other's, yeah, yeah, C- cool, cool magic, cool trick. I was like, that's such a 10-year-old boy thing. I love it. Cool trick. <laughs> cool so what about yeah, the residents of Westview? Did you, were you satisfied with the way it ended for them? I think I was. I think I was. And we finally got a firm answer on what happened to the kids and where were the kids all day, every day, silently stuck in their room. Ooh, creepy. The depth of pain, I think, that the Westview residents experienced was really touching. And right. Wanda's response to learning about that, she maybe had started to realize, yes, she was controlling. She did create this. She never intended to hurt anyone that badly. And she was horrified by the idea that she had done. I think that that was really interesting. And then, of course, we learned completely that when the hex goes, so does her family. They're part of it. Whether they're sentient or acting on their own or not, they one cannot exist without the other. Actually, I saw her beginning to understand how she may have hurt others while not intending to as a, as a part of working through the grief. Because... For her, grief was so overpowering, she couldn't see anything else. And this, for me, was one more evidence or indicia of that. I guess the big question is, did the ending episode really satisfy you in terms of ending the show, giving us a lot to think about, and wrapping things up in a nice bow? Well, um, yes and no. The defeat of Agnes, or of Agatha, was fantastic. Loved it, with the throwing back the lesson about the runes. Epic sky battle with energy balls flowing here and about everything you want in a epic fight between powerful witches. But then there's coming to terms with the hex has to go and knowing what that means for her family, her home and everything, ultimately making the objectively right decision. And that would have been fantastic. It would have been a really good ending, I think, as emotional and heartfelt and serious as it needed to be. If it weren't for that dang post credit scene. What was your take on the ending? (laughs) I really like Agent Wu. Oh, at the yes. end, he comes in and he's apparently in charge, although in charge of what, we're not sure. And <laughs> where he's going to take it, we're even not sure. It had to end, I thought, think the way it did, because we now know the Scarlet Witch appears in a movie. The metaverse, I guess we'll get to that at some point, but it was just, I was very satisfied. I expected a cliffhanger. I expected some known unknowns and some unknown unknowns. And I got all of that. For me... The resolution with vision was perfect, so I really like that. And just, yeah, it, it all worked for me. Very good. It was definitely, uh, yeah, as I think it was because it was the first TV series that had been released post, uh, post-Endgame. Like, it was a strong effort from Marvel. I thought it was a wonderful series. I, I can't remember if Loki was filmed. I can't remember when Loki was filmed. Yeah, I know, I know WandaVision was released first, as I think it was. It was, well, that was 2021. That year was a blur. <laughs> All kind of a blur. We'll figure that out. I really enjoyed doing this series with you, Megan. I really learned a lot visiting with you, and I loved your perspective. I'm not quite sure what we'll do next. Maybe we should go do Doctor Strange and Thor and then come back and do Clint. And Oh, yeah. I haven't watched Hawkeye yet. Yeah. Any final thoughts for our audience? No, thanks for being with us on this journey, everybody. This was a good one. If you are feeling mentally unhinged, seek help. So that you don't create a giant hex and trap all your friends in it. And also, it's the good thing to do. This is Tom Fox. 
Obviously, Megan and I loved uh, recording this podcast and bringing it to you. I hope you've enjoyed our exploration of WandaVision. It was a ton of fun to go back and watch all of the shows again and have the chance to visit with it with Megan about them. I hope you'll take this opportunity to go back and take a look at all nine shows of WandaVision as Megan and I did. We're going to take a couple of weeks break and then we're going to be back to take a look at the summer MCU movie releases, Doctor Strange in the Metaverse, and Thor Love and Thunder. Until then, thanks for listening. Albeit this podcast series was a labor of love, it was a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Please check out our full suite at compliancepodcastnetwork.net.